Hi, I'm Gavin Southard, and I play Asherian Davenport on the Adventures Vault podcast. Hey, this is Brad, and I play uh, Roddy, the awesome fighter. Hey, I'm Ethan. I play Haytham Hallward on the Adventures Vault. Hi, this is Sean, and I play Father Becker. And this is Rich, the game master and coordinator of this ragtag group of adventurers. And today we are excited to celebrate the anniversary of the Adventurers Vault. Nearly a year ago, we were releasing the first episodes and beginning our podcasting journey. We've uh, we've had quite a few adventures along the way. We've learned a lot. We've had a lot of fun. We felt that it was time to go back and reflect. And we wanted to give people an opportunity to catch up on the story. So let's hop on inside the vault and take a look at our year in review. This is the Adventurer's Vault. Follow our epic journeys and hear amazing tales. Join our heroes as they bravely face grave dangers and mysterious evils in distant and unknown lands. Be sure to visit our website, theadventurersvault.com, for episodes, links, and show notes. Music and sounds provided by Sirenscape. And now, it's time to open the Adventurer's Vault. Welcome to the Mirrored Lands, a prime material plane mostly unnoticed in a far corner of the cosmos, a young realm whose history is still being written yet it's already no stranger to war and destruction. First, the devastating gods war nearly annihilated all life in the mirrored lands as emerging deities struggled to create a balanced pantheon only with the defeat of a powerful evil and the acceptance of another was the realm saved and relative peace achieved, allowing life to once again thrive. After the gods war, populations flourished and nations arose, none more so than the great continent of Faradon, spawning a grand nation full of splendor, wealth, and power. The influence of Faradon spread across the mirrored lands, their culture so dominant that the language of Faradon is still used as the universal tongue. But the success and decadence of Faradon held an evil secret. The mighty empire was insidiously controlled by the immortal Lich Gilgamark. Once his influence was unmasked, Gilgamark took direct control of the Faradon Empire, nearly conquering the world with force and oppression. In a desperate act of defiance, the remaining people of the world united against Gilgamark and his evil legions. The death toll was staggering. Cities and nations were left broken and burning. Battles and slaughter lasted nearly a decade before the opposing forces were able to slay the Lich and destroy the phylactery. But the victory came with a devastating price, for destroying the phylactery triggered a powerful curse, erupting forth a cataclysmic wave of negative energy, killing all in its path and blanketing the continent of Faradon in unlivable shadow. In one victorious moment, Faradon became a wasteland, seeming lost forever. But as with all things, time marched on, and the Dark War became nothing but legend. Nations slowly recovered as generations passed. Gilgamark became a boogeyman of children's fables. Treasure hunters spun tales of lost riches, while sailors steered a wide course around the cursed land. Eventually, the shadow of Faradon subsided and the land became habitable. 
Yet, the legacy of Gilgamark remains. Pockets of negative energy still haunt the land while strange beasts emerge to stalk the living. Now, with the land again open, adventurers arrive in droves with hopes of finding treasures of the old empire. Others arrive seeking a new future, and some for a return to the past. Feridon seems destined to rise again, but will this rise be one of good and glory? Or will the fated land again succumb to suffering and evil? Such grand fates often hinge on the actions of a few, and heroes are often found in unlikely places. Here we find four such adventurers seeking their futures on the waves of the past. Four seemingly random destinies intertwined at the forefront of the return to Feridon. Welcome, everyone. This is Saul Kavi, broadsending from the Hellspire Tower in downtown Kasserat. And today, I bring you a special edition of Saul Kavi. For a year now, our most popular program here has been the Heroes of Feridon. But with this season coming to a close and the next one almost ready to go, we felt it was time to put together a little wrap-up. So our reporters managed to search the realm and find the original heroes of Feridon. Though they were all far apart, we managed to get the story in their own words. And our producers have put together this special package. So let's go ahead and have a listen and get the words straight from those who lived it. Ah, the, the Feridon incident. So many years ago. So many names and faces faded with time. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a long story. I, I suspect this will take six or seven hours for me to go through the whole thing. So, so sit down and, and grab a flagon of mead or whatever else you, you consume, and, and I'll, I'll lay it on the line for you. I'll tell you the, the straight dope, how it, how it actually happened. All right, so uh, the whole story then. It's not, not much of a tale, but... Uh... Well, I'll start from the beginning then. Uh, the year was uh, 1232, and uh, about 25 years ago, a young child was born to uh, Atricia Hallward and uh, her husband, Kenford Hallward, a uh, strapping young baby boy. Uh, what? What? Uh, late, later than that? I thought you wanted the whole story. Fine, fine, fine. The, the exciting part then. Right. So anyway, back then, I was still pretending to be Alda. Uh, uh, you want me to do the voice? Okay. Alda Billet Smythe III, Duke of Caliban, and heir to the Golden Fleet, Lord of the Red Sand Shores. Uh, you want me to keep doing it? Uh, all right. Well, I get a lot of requests for that. So I'd come across the sea. I was uh, first mate of a sailing ship. You know, I, I'd been involved in a lot of bad stuff, uh, fighting pirates and sea monsters and so forth. Uh, I didn't own the ship, so they couldn't really call me captain, but I believe the men really looked to me as their leader. That said, finally, it was time to get off the sea, and so we landed on the shores of Faradon, a continent emerging uh, from a dark period, uh, essentially being recolonized after years of um, being regarded as a dark and dreadful place. Anyway, it just happened to be chance that the four of us met in the dark that day. Uh, I don't know if you would call it providence or gods working together. I've, I've never been much of one for belief in that. Uh, but the four of us 
literally just happened to be standing there when an agent of uh, Craven Carlisle spotted us and said that we looked like we might be interesting. Uh, so we were hired on the spot. Wasn't much of a resume process, but... So there I was standing on a pier and a man uh, just happened to be looking at the four of us standing there. I remember getting off the boat that day and, and climbing up the cliff. Upon reaching the top, um, there was a, a fellow there, an old man, but needed some help. Uh, he came up to me and uh, told me, uh, <clears throat> you know, how much he admired my um, obvious skills and good looks. And um, maybe I could um, put together a party who might be able to help him. And so I glanced around and, gosh, there wasn't much to choose from. I mean, all my companions, um, clearly men of little skill. <laughs> So I gathered the three that seemed the least um, undesirable, and, um, and we followed the man to his house where he laid it all out on the line. And he says to follow him. So we did. Can't, uh, can't even really think of why I, I felt I had to, aside of it would be, I don't know, weird to say no. And turns out that was Craven Carlisle. Um, I can't remember his name. It's probably not important. Um, but... Um, uh, but he was, uh, you know, he was a fine fellow. The other companions, um, they, in the end, they turned out to be at least adequate. Um, first person we really met was Marcus Bronstad, uh, a geriatric fellow who worked at Carlisle's camp. Uh, he was an interesting fellow. Uh, apparently they took bets on how long new employees would last. But I guess he took a liking to us and handed us a few potions. I won't mince words. Those potions probably saved our lives. So the old man, let's see, what was his name? Bill or Herbert or something like that, I forget. Anyway, he, um, he was uh, fancied himself sort of a leader of this place, and he wanted to do some exploration. <laughs> Naturally, he came to me and said, I'd like you to take this ragtag group of ruffians and go out into the wilderness, and I want you to do some scouting around. In particular, I've got some areas that we'd like you to check out. Uh, having, you know, little to our name. Decided to go on, uh, go on a bit of an adventure. I was terrified. And rightly so. At first it was all, you know, peaceful. Uh, green grassy hills and exploration. Though it was uh, dangerous, even from the start. Taking the men um, in tow, I boldly strode forwards into the wilderness uh, where we observed all sorts of interesting phenomena. Um, the, the phenomena that are now called Becker Clouds. Um, you know, they're an established part of science and magic these days and, and um, truly fascinating things. I was the first, of course, to identify them and to describe uh, some of their um, peculiar natures, giant clouds of sort of uh, negative energy that um, uh, suck the life out of surrounding fauna and flora. So we traveled through the woods. Uh, the first tower we went to, uh, some sort of evil alligator tried to take off my foot. I took off his head. And there we encountered uh, the first of our troubles. There was uh, skeletons. That's where Alder got that famous sword. Where we found an ancestor of Carlisle's who did quite a good job of trying to kill us. At one point or another, all four of us were uh, had succumbed to unconsciousness. Uh, undead, swarms, scads of undead. I thought, well, wait a minute, first it was a crocodile. Yes, a giant crocodile thing was probably... Oh, 70 or 80 feet length. It was really, you know, we say crocodile. It's more of a dragon. The three towers that we investigated were not very eventful. They were definitely interesting. Fighting undead, that was, you know. Uh, but anyway, at that point, we checked out the other ghostal towers. 
we've discovered a whole mix of horrors. The undead coming back to life again. Some sort of evil floating clouds. Animals succumbing to negative energy. It's just all a mixed match of horrors. This place is awful. When my companions stopped uh, cowering behind rocks and trees and bushes and such, they lended a hand or two uh, in terms of slaying the great beast. Eventually, we, uh, we mapped out regions and made discoveries, very fascinating discoveries. And uh, along the way, uh, we ran into, oh gosh, a variety of undead creatures. Uh, again, the Becker Clouds um, not only seemed to suck the life force out of, um, of creatures, as they wandered around, but the land itself seemed to have a deleterious effect on uh, dead creatures, uh, turning them into undead monstrosities that I had to dispatch over and over again uh, with some minor assistance from my party members. By the time uh, we found, I I believe it was the third tower, we got into a fight with some 'er ne'er-do-wells who, uh, we killed them. Then they came back to undead life, and we had to kill them again. But we managed uh, to see through their clever ruse. I believe one of my party members was poisoned at one point. I don't remember who it was. Shortly after, though, we uh, things started going downhill. Uh, we came across the first batch of cultists that were sacrificing children. Uh, and unfortunately, we were not able to stop the ritual. We arrived at a uh, final tower, uh, and there we discovered a most disturbing sight. Cultists actually had taken children uh, with them to this site. Apparently, it was a place of power. Uh, and in fact, each of the towers was a place of power. And they had arranged these children as part of a ritual uh, of the dark demigod uh, Gilgamesh. Uh, and even worse, that everyone there that we weren't able to horribly murder uh, sacrificed themselves. Um, and um, sadly, though, we were able to defeat the cultists. We were not able to save the children the dark malady that they had inflicted upon them uh, through their, their rituals uh, was not something we were able to stop. Uh, and we had always wondered about uh, Father Becca, but the father always had weird uh, eccentricities. Uh, sometimes spells wouldn't work or things would work and he would seem surprised. Not like a normal cleric or man of faith I'd seen over the years. He was, he was a tad strange. And it all came to light when... One of the cultists proclaimed him to be the chosen one of Gilgamesh. Well, at that point, we went ahead and hashed that out because we weren't going to take another step until we knew just what the hell was going on with the father. And apparently, somehow, this religious artifact grifter had managed to stumble his way into a divine power. So we uh, we made our way back to civilization, but um, you know, and, and we were outstanding orienteers. I mean, I, I knew exactly which way to go, but we decided we would come uh, a little uh, off the the actual location of, of the city in order to um, you know check out the view along the cliffs. But when we did, we saw something terribly terrifying. As we noticed a minor problem of uh, pirate invasion. And of course, right when we got back from our uh, little excursion, well, then the pirates attacked. So after the frying pan and into the fire, you know. We then got ourselves stuck into a, uh, a small pirate civil war uh, <laughs> as the horse fleet Dark Lancers and Ogre uh, invaded Port Holbeck. I've never particularly liked any of those three. There, there was a pirate fleet that had released an army of kobolds. We moved in to try and take out their backline closer towards the shorelines where they were uh, dropping off their, for their amphibious assault. Well, it was horrifying. Terrifying, really. You know, we cut down a 
mass of kobolds. Quite a few of them. I, I believe I killed the giants of some kind. Uh, it was just fate that had allowed us to uh, arrive at the point that they had um, disembarked the, the cobalt. We additionally encountered a Asmodian priestess who helped us clear a path. That was exciting. Uh, and so um, we fought a running battle uh, there for a while to get back to the city, uh, encountering along the way a fascinating priestess, uh, priestess of Asmo, uh, excuse me, Asmodeus, um, who um, uh, conjured up some uh, some devils and uh, and went to work on those forces uh, on behalf of the city. It was quite a surprise, but um, I, yeah, to be honest, I think we could have handled this ourselves. But that said, it was nice to uh, to have her along for the ride. So we uh, had great personal cost. <laughs> We managed to uh, halt their advances. Uh. And so we made our way fighting uh, back to the city, and um, there we encountered the old man, um, Raven something? Craven? I forget his name. It's not important. The point is, uh, he uh, tasked us with uh, continuing the fight within the city and doing what we can to repel the invaders. And, and along the way, we, it came to our conclusion that uh, what we really needed to do was find a way to, um, to blockade the harbor because... Um, if the rest of those pirate ships were able to get in and land, um, the city would almost surely be lost. And so, after fighting our way to the city and rescuing some orphans, uh, which I did, I feel quite heroically, we uh, had to continue our fight uh, uh, to the uh, to the harbor itself, where we uh, commandeered a boat. Uh, and then we, uh, we blew up a pirate ship. Oh, yeah, that was thrilling. I managed to time it just right and took out two boats at once. Using a boat and lots of and lots of explosives, I uh, almost died crashing an exploding ship into one of theirs. But uh, I'll be damned if that's not going to be one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, so that um, we blew up not only uh, the ship itself, but an invading pirate ship, which caused a great deal of wreckage, bottling up the harbor, and frankly, saving the townsfolk. So we managed to seal the entrance to Port Hallback with shipwreck and uh, believe it or not that was basically the prologue for all this and so we became uh, heroes of Port Hallback uh, shortly after we were completely ignored as the town uh, signed its own pact though so Hallback uh, has managed to become a beacon of civilization that we use you know, essentially our base of operations I mean there's no, there's no one else I mean essentially there's no place else to go this is the only functioning city that we found so far, uh, at least up to that point. Uh, we finally got a, a bit of rest. And we became sort of celebrities in town. Uh, we got to know many of them. We were often sought uh, for guidance by the town council. And I must confess I went a bit, uh, got a bit uh, carried away with myself. We, um, we got to know the uh, priestess of uh, Asmodeus fairly well. As, as well, and, and she uh, provided useful information to us over the years. Well, I had a run-in with a, a fiery redhead and got that, uh, got that sickle. Hindsight, that was, uh, that was maybe not my best decision, but I stand by it. Anyway, fascinating, fascinating lady. Um, good looker, too, as I recall. Helped me uh, incinerate a couple of pirates. Well, mostly with the incineration. That was a big that was a big point, me and that old sickle. Love to incinerate things. Um, little, um, little, uh, little scary. Little scary, but, th- but you know, what are you going to do? Shortly after, Carlisle uh, 
came to us with a problem. His daughter, Ship, uh, had gone missing along with her. So he dispatched us into the wilderness with her last known location to see if we could track her down and bring her home. She had been perhaps shipwrecked far to the east. Anyway, we managed to uh, settle a small squabble between two groups of pirates. One who was working for uh, Carlisle's daughter, Lena, as we grew to call her, uh, and then another group of Dark Lancers that were hunting her. And there we determined uh, that uh, there had been a battle, that there was trouble amongst the various pirate nations uh, and fleets, and that um, this is uh, how we figured we were on the right track in terms of finding uh, Craven Carlisle's daughter. Uh, so we saved them, and then that night, uh, Ashurian's friend Enthiel appeared from the undead and murdered them. And so amongst these pirates that we had helped to dispatch, uh, the other crew that we determined were, uh, were ones that uh, were more trustworthy, although they were pirates. I mean, what are you going to do? So after dispatching uh, some of these pirates, the ones that we allowed to live, we learned that, um, that there had been a, a big battle, of course, and that uh, they were essentially marooned. Uh, and during their travels as marooned pirates, they had encountered something terribly disturbing, another group of cultists, sounding very similar to the ones that we had fought at the tower, including uh, families with children. We had a pretty good idea of what direction that they were going. We became very concerned that they would enact another ritual. Along the way, we also found more information about these cultists that were trying to apparently resurrect Gilgamesh. Uh, Ashirian, I always got the vibe that he was a, a soldier trying to run away from his past. And I assure you, I understand that better than most. Uh, but the one time he popped out fangs and almost bit a guy's head off, uh, we had a short conversation about that. And, and along the way, we end up discovering the Children of the Sea. At that point, we met a group of uh, aquatic people known as the Children of the Sea, who were friends with the Sea Shepherds. Um, a lot of the eastern coast is their territory. Uh, they thought we were also Dark Lancers. Uh, we almost came to blows, which... And so we elected to go after them. This was partially also because... The direction that we felt that Carlisle's daughter um, was going to be would be in the same general direction as we needed to go to find the cultists. And so we set off again into the wilderness. Additionally, we tried to stop said cultists at their uh, settlement called New Hope. Not everything went according to plan. Along the way, I might mention, when I, uh, our, our friend, the soldier, he, I mentioned he had uh, ghosts and demons of his past. Literally, he had them. They attacked us at night. Uh, apparently, they had the ability to take corporal form and also to animate uh, bodies and, and murder people. So that was that was a, a fine thing to learn. I, I was truly distressed by the number of secrets that my party members were keeping from us all. Uh, I, a upstanding and forthright citizen, uh, known for my honesty, thought that this was um, just a terrible practice. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, along the way, we <laughs> met... Acquaintance might not be the right word, but some sort of flying devil beast that wanted to kill everyone in Sharia. So um, we continued on, and uh, eventually, much to our surprise, we found a settlement. As upon infiltration of their settlement, we managed to find where they were doing rituals underground, but were not able to halt said rituals. Shortly after, we, uh, we found a, a settlement out on the East Coast known as New Hope whose residents were completely devoted to Gilgamesh. We 
uh, infiltrate's not the right word because we managed to basically walk in. We infiltrated this city, uh, posing as um, uh, people who've been led here by sort of a vision. They were more than happy to talk to us. Uh, unfortunately, we discovered that they were attempting to distract us. I'd like to think that I kept my eye on the prize and was not able to be distracted in any way whatsoever. What we discovered is that they had a secret lair deep within the mountain, that, and um, upon um, penetrating it, we found out that they were indeed instigating another ritual. Shortly after, we discovered that they were uh, guarding a, a series of caves behind the settlement. Inside were some sort of evil spider monsters and a another one of those unholy rituals we had discovered before. They had... Uh, uh, basically a, a, a large circle set up with uh, drugged people uh, who were being sacrificed one by one, and we attempted to stop this sacrifice, but they had terrible protections in place. These cowards always hide behind magics. Disgust me. At any rate, the Assyrian's friend Enthiel was there again, and we learned he could just teleport willy-nilly uh, and stab people. That's going to be difficult to deal with later. Thankfully, we saw... Captain Lena, who we were looking for, and not only was she safe, well, safe is a bad word, but she was attempted to escape. Uh, thankfully, we were there to help expedite the situation. And so we tried our best, but in the end, all we could do was, um, well, frankly, I, I, I had to uh, go into a bit of a, um, a trance, a coma, if you will, and uh, commune with my god, and I caused a great earthquake uh, there inside the cultist chamber uh, that brought down uh, literally the ceiling upon them. So the four of us and Captain Lena and her friend, essentially we had to escape. The ritual was getting out of control. And uh, the father tapped into his god uh, and essentially brought the place down. For as we fled and escaped the mountain and run out, uh, whenever we uh, came out the other side, that uh, devils and demons um, <clears throat> were flying in the air above, patrolling the area. Apparently our efforts to stop the ritual in time had been for naught, and uh, the cultists now had a protected foothold uh, within the continent. It was, um, it was a great letdown for us. Um, we tried uh, as hard as we could, um, but um, we were just no match for these forces. We managed to escape through some back tunnels to the beach, at which point we watched several large demons rising up, hovering over New Hope which now makes that cursed place some sort of incredible bastion of evil. Which led to our daring escape aboard the back of a giant sea monster. Uh, shortly after we made our way back, well, we had a one pit stop. We had to go to a council of sea shepherds who were attempting to mediate between the Dark Lancers and some other fleets. Captain Lena introduced us to the council and we managed to speak our piece about how the Dark Lancers and the Ogre Fleet and the Horse, even though they felt they had a claim to Ferriton and Port Holbeck uh, by lineage, uh, their alliance with agents of Gilgamesh made them too dangerous to be allowed to have it. The Shepherds were an interesting bunch. I didn't care too much for them. Our diplomatic efforts were very, very, very successful. Um, we, while we did not get them to actually join us against the uh, other fleets, um, they did not join them, and nor did they decide that they were going to oppose us. They ended up deciding to help Port Hallback. We were also able to learn something about the ancient history of the struggle the gods went through, and um, we even learned uh, some intriguing 
the mysteries, uh, or not the answers to these mysteries, but we, we, we came upon some mysteries about um, kind of a revelatory thing that apparently before the gods war, there were three ancient gods uh, of this realm that were um, defeated by an evil force, an evil presence uh, that managed to consume the essence of them. And while it is supposed that they are not truly dead, they are dormant, uh, at least, and perhaps powerless. And uh, we began to wonder if, in fact, this evil force wasn't something that Gilgamark uh, had tapped into. Afterwards, we went back to Port Hallback to meet with Craven Carlisle. Carlisle was very grateful to see his daughter safe. We learned a good bit about her. Uh, how, in fact, Carlisle is the oldest gentleman that we've met so far on the continent. Uh, and Lena, well, she's half diva and half half a quarter elf. I don't know. That entire family lives a long time. Which got me thinking uh, that I had not been entirely honest with my compatriots. With that, additionally, our uh, friend Alder at the time revealed that he was not actually Alder Billet Smiley III, Duke of Caliban, Lord of the Red Sand Shores, and Inheritor of the Golden Fleet, like he said he was. So that's about the time I uh, came clean to the lads. Well, I guess I should have seen it coming. That uh, I wasn't actually Alder, but my name was uh, First Lieutenant Rorty. Uh, and that I was born on Faradin, a uh, bunch of hundred, uh, about a hundred or something years ago. Which was a bit of a shock at the time. The Admiral had rescued me from the clutches of an Eldrazine known as the Beast. He was attempting to turn me into his acolyte. Well, fate intervened once again. If it had not been for the Admiral, I'd probably still, well, I'd have either died on Faradin or I'd be, I'd be in a bad way. And he additionally revealed that he himself was actually an elf and not a human. Probably should have seen that coming, but I didn't. Uh, so I told the lads my, my sad tale. Haytham ha let me have it a little bit, but I figured it was better to be honest with the lads than let it come out and at a bad time. The agents of Gilgamark like to do that kind of stuff. And so the leadership of Port Hallbeck, uh, which I contributed a great deal, decided that um, we would have to come up with a way to try to, to stop them. And so we deliberated for some time, and then we learned of something through spies, I believe, um, set forth by the priestess of Asmodeus. We learned that an expedition of cultists uh, was heading uh, towards uh, an ancient town. Uh, it was called Oak Grove, I believe. Uh, a magical autumn in the old city of Oakcrest. Uh, we didn't know what it was or what it did. We just knew that ages of Gilgamoth were looking for it. Well, if they want it, I don't want them to have it. That's where things got really interesting. Uh, we, we come back to town and given another clandestine mission. This, uh, this one, after we had uh, been to that, uh, you know, New Hope place, all that with the demons and, and such, we were supposed to go to the city of Oakcrest. Uh, an ancient ruined city to find a uh, to find an artifact. Things went awry almost instantaneously. We gathered our gear. Uh, our adventuring party once again called forth uh, to be heroic uh, and do great deeds. And we prepared to be teleported there whenever a sabotage occurred, a great betrayal. The hall priestess of Asmodeus 
but she agreed to teleport us there, which sounds awful nice, because we get tired of walking from place to place, to be honest. Well, we found it all right, but uh, when we were being transported there, some uh, timey-wimey shit happened, and we got, we got sent back a good hundred years or so. That was a bit of a trip. Instead of merely teleporting us there physically, it actually sent us back in time, hundreds of years, to a time uh, whenever Oakcrest was um, still under the thumb of Gilgamark. Well, that was new for me. So we decided to try and continue with our mission because we had nothing else to do. But anyway, we made our way to the city Oakcrest. We figured, yeah, well, if whatever we're looking for was in the temple, and my boy's still in the temple in the past. Learned a little something about my, uh, my family history, too. Which I'm sure you all know about already. We infiltrated Oakrest, and the guards at the gate um, were, they were intimidated by my presence, and, and I was able to get the party in without much difficulty. Once we were back a hundred years, though, we, uh, we found an interesting wrinkle. Went throughout our day, had to infiltrate a city, made forgeries. I committed a crime, you see. Could have all been killed. Uh, because, you see, when we went to uh, retire for the night, we found ourselves woken up in a field at the beginning of the same day. So much to write a play about that. Maybe, uh, you know, a mus- muskrat day or something. No, we'll work. We'll work on that. Um, not only had we been sent back in time, we were, we were stuck in some sort of causal loop and we didn't know how to get out. But we could remember everything that had happened the day before. Well, I'll be damned if something's wrong with the time loop or something. It's above my head. Uh, as luck would have it, though, uh, the second day was the one where we, uh, we hit on it. We uh, got, to the, got to the basement ahead of them dropping off the artifact that we were there to get in the first place. And we followed up on a rumor uh, that we heard earlier and went to try to speak to some elven slaves uh, that were located in the market area. From there, they led us to a underground tunneling network that led to the temple. Uh, snuck through the sewers, fought a, fought a black jelly, jello or something, I don't know. I never fought you know, black jelly before. I can't say I was particularly good at it. Guarded by fell creatures, of course, which I was able to dispatch without uh, too much difficulty. Uh, anyway, we snuck in after feeding that. Uh, decided not to fight a giant statue. That I, I think, in a particularly brilliant stroke of genius, I got to unlock the door and got us through. Assyrian then proceeded to horribly murder a priest. Not so much a priest, but maybe just like a janitor. I don't know. I, I don't particularly care. I don't like servants of Gilgamesh. Where we managed to infiltrate the temple, and inside we managed to find the relic, among many other things. There's a few less priests in that temple afterwards, additionally. We made uh, our way into the lower levels of the temple, and there we discovered an ancient, ancient temple to my deity. At which point, we made our way into the basement, where the father had some more visions of his old god. That was a rock deity, we think, that's dead, but he's not completely dead. But everybody keeps telling us he's dead because this old evil god that's been handled killed him. And we also then uh, found a subchamber where another uh, ritual was going on. And the cultists were attempting to open up a, uh, 
a door, and apparently the artifact um, they had brought down was the key to this door. We find where the key's been locked away, managed to kill a black shield, which I've got to tell you is extremely satisfying after not being able to do that for 100 years. The relic opens a door. So upon us killing one of the black shields who were sent there to guard them, we managed to open said door and travel back to the future. Well, after a pretty intense uh, run through the Undercroft, we managed to get a hold of it, only to wake up in the present, which would have been our future, which I don't want to think about or I get a bit of a headache, to be honest with you, but we woke up and uh, there we were, ready for another fight, believe it or not. And then when we did so uh, and touched the key to the door itself, there was a great flash of light and we woke up in our own time once again, but with the cultists just arriving in the chamber. And then uh, there occurred a terrible, terrible fight. Uh, at which point, some blokes walked into the basement. Blokes I'm real happy to see. Blokes I'm real anxious to kill. And with that, we managed to have the relic and be in the right time and the right place. And well, you know the rest. Um, which, um, oh, you should, it was, it was truly a, a one-of-a-kind one experience of a heroic um, endeavor, and we were great. And um, gosh, I wish there was a way for you to hear about that, that fight in more detail, but uh, there's so much more of this tale to tell. Would you pass me a, another flagon of ale there? I seem to have I've become parched after talking all this time. I, I could use another one. You'll, you'll uh, cover that for me, won't you? I appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Mm. Hi, Will Griff back again for Flex Heal, the super strong damage control and spray that can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair any wound. Flex Heal is no ordinary healing potion. Its triple adhesive bonding power instantly seals leaky wounds and pustules. Clerics are hard to come by and complicated healing kits require hours of training. No longer are adventurers forced to stock up on healing potions. No longer do you have to give your hard-earned coin to random nearby temples just to keep your party alive. With its intuitive spray nozzle and convenient price, Flex Heal is guaranteed to be the best thing in your handy haversack. Did you know Flex Heal is so strong it works in any environment? Slashing in a searing desert? Uh, so hot, so dry. Uh, uh, why would you do that again? Watch as Flex Heal instantly bonds to any surface in any temperature, creating a triple strength healing bond. Bludgeoning damage in arctic weather. It's, it's so cold. Uh, uh, no more! You still have nothing to worry about. Even in the coldest weather, Flex Heal still instantly creates a miraculous healing bond. Huh, that one wasn't so bad. <laughs> what about piercing damage in the water? This water is kind of nice and relaxing. Uh, uh, not again! <coughs> now that's a lot of damage. But watch the amazing power of Flex Heal. Even underwater wounds are instantly healed with minimal scarring. Minimal scarring? I look like a sea cucumber. I hate this so much. No matter where your travels take you, make sure you're stocked up with the amazing power of Flex Heal. 
Head on down to your local Crookshanks and pick up a bottle of Flex Heal or grab one of our convenient potty packs. Just imagine everything you could do with the power of Flex Heal. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, believe it or not, it's been it's been a year now. Uh, it was actually over a year ago when I kind of came to you with this crazy idea of doing a podcast and we started practicing. But it's been a year now of, of actually doing episodes. Um, I don't I don't know if I ever thought we would get here. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my check. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to ask about those checks because you mentioned that a did, long did I, time I ago. I don't remember that. Yeah, surely I mean, we've been sponsored by now. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, the room Cash is rolling in. Let right? me check I mean, the check the podcast fund here and see okay, see how that that's going. Moths are flying out of that, that empty wallet you just opened up. That's strange, cartoonish. I, you know, I didn't want to see what you guys thought because, like, for me, this has been. I mean, it's been great, but it's also been surreal in many ways. Uh, there's been you know, like some unexpected uh, benefits of doing the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping to have fun. I was hoping to enjoy it. Uh, but honestly, this kind of exceeded my expectations as far as, you know, the type of game that we wanted to play. I, what's, what's this been like for you guys? You guys have been the, the players in the group for a year now. It doesn't feel like it to me, though. It feels mm -hmm. like it feels like a quick yeah. time, right? right? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like a whole year. That's yeah. true. It does. It legitimately does feel like it's a shorter time frame. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, uh, once again, I think I've stated this before, it, it it caused me physical pain to compliment you, Richard. Because <laughs> uh, I, I feel I can't give you an inch. But the point is, uh, truly a great experience. Oh, you I can mean, give him an inch. Uh, oh, goodness. Hey, well, you know, it's going to be body now. All right, here it comes. Uh, but no, Bugger. I mean, very compelling story. And, and I mean, admittedly, you know, I, I, I have to, you know, I, I've got a storyline there that, that has been a mystery and, and it's always fun unraveling a mystery and when i say a mystery genuinely a mystery to me i mean i <laughs> had no, have had no and have no damn clue what's going on but just generally um very compelling it, it's a, it's a it's a great world to be able to play around in you know there's multiple plot lines going on there's stuff to uncover a genuinely challenging fights you know i remember when you talked about the very first episode your own experience you know playing D, &D all those years and uh, same thing for me you know i i think it was you know, gosh, I was in sixth grade, I think, uh, whenever I started playing, you know, back in first edition. So I, I, and I've almost played continuously that whole time, aside from a few years when I was in high school. And But the point is that I have uh, played in a lot of campaigns, and this is an outstanding campaign. It's just a good campaign. And then if I might throw around a little bit of compliments, this f hurts me almost as much as complimenting Richard. <laughs> but I really have to say... Uh, how much I enjoy um, my my fellow podcasters. You guys have really interesting, well-played characters that are, are great to interact with. There's so much fodder for interaction among this group. Um, you guys genuinely make it a pleasure uh, to play with you. Just outstanding role players. Um, maybe not good in terms of your random number generation. <laughs> really hey, that wasn't required. Uh, that a little, hey, a little hey. bit better uh, with that. Uh, but having said that, um, you know, and I, I, I really enjoy the camaraderie that we have. And also I think that the tone, I like the fact that, um, I mean, I, I'm amused by this podcast all the time. <laughs> and of course, I mean by my own statements because they're great. No, but I just mean that everybody seems like we're all having, a, it seems like we're having a good time. Yeah, I, 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 I oh, agree. And, th and obviously thank you. And, well, I, I definitely <laughs> I definitely agree though like I, I feel like we never no one ever really like sat down and said like this is kind of like the tone or how I'm gonna play this character and we all just kind of like gelled into the into a group that feels dynamic and I I enjoy that these characters have have been together long enough 
that they don't like fight and question each other. Like if someone's going to go off and do something stupid, the other three are always like, Oh God, there you go. Like, like they just know each other that well yeah. to be like, Oh God, there he goes. Follow yeah. him, follow him. <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as longevity goes, this is the longest I've ever played a character. Uh, you know, I've, I've run games that have lasted close to a year, probably, um, I think the, I think when I ran the starter box for five, E that went close to a year. But uh, this is definitely it's definitely the longest I played a character, um, so that that's kind of interesting, you know, for me, someone who usually is our group's uh, DM. So, uh, and I I've had a great time, for sure. I would just echo everything Sean said. Really, uh, go ahead, say it all over again. Especially the part where you enjoy our characters. That would be. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I mean, like these everybody has come a long way character wise. Like these are not the guys that came off the boat. Um, but they are, but they aren't, you know, and it, it's been nice to see how everyone develops. Have you noticed just what you said that there seems to be really natural character development yeah. that has mm-hmm. occurred through all yeah. this? I mean, it feels organic. I mean, yeah, yeah. like I, we, we have had very few conversations where it's like, Hey, let's do a, let's do a scene with blah. We have done that, Couple but times. we, we haven't done that as often. Like we hadn't planned anything tonight. Yeah, no, you, you know, and that, that brings up something else I thought of, too, is that there's almost sort of a, I mean, like an almost an improv sort of vibe to this. I mean, we kind of know wh- where, where we're coming from each as far as our own characters. But, you know, as Brad said, audience, th- there's we're not planning much of this stuff out. It's just we'll see what happens. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I punch this person. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I punch that person. I mean, you never know. You never know. It could be, a, it could be an NPC sometimes. <laughs> Often yeah. it's an NPC. Sometimes you fireball them. I mean, things happen. <laughs> one thing leads to another. Bad one, bad roll, and uh, well, or six or seven, or consecutively. Hey, why? Why? Who's counting? <laughs> I, it was so painful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've definitely enjoyed like having that longer experience to kind of play out a character who has developed, and uh, we we talked a little bit previously about inspirations for characters, and one of my favorite character arcs in a, a TV show was uh, Wesley on Buffy. Yeah. Where yeah. he went kind of from, and I t- feel like I took a little bit of inspiration from that, where he went from this kind of like sniveling little shit, <laughs> you know, was definitely like, you know, he was like a narc and just, just no one liked him. And then by the end of Angel, he's, you know, a genuine like badass and, so when, when's and that going to happen for Halem? Jury's still out on that, but one of these days. Well, he, he murdered a dude earlier on tonight. What uh, are you talking so. about? Halem took a f- fireball to the face. Didn't even blink. <laughs> I didn't give a shit. <laughs> didn't even send um, his clothing. You, know, yeah. you, you talk about those spontaneous moments, and still one of my favorite moments was early on in the pirate invasion, when after all the, the ship blew up, and you guys had been through, like, what, eight episodes of straight combat, yes, and you yes. get on the deck, and Halem just goes <laughs> off. It was like the first time uh, and you know, you talk about those unscripted moments that just happened and it, it was just there and it was just brilliant. It was, it was great. Roddy like still like it, it, that. That's the moment he was like, I always want this guy by my side mm-hmm. because when the chips were that's down awesome. and there's nothing left, like normally Roddy has to be the one that's like, all right, I still go to him. And like, Hatham just stood up was like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> and that like, that like, that gave Roddy that steel to be like, yeah, fuck you. And like, that was like, I want this guy by me. You know, I do. I've, I kind of said this several times and I think it's because I'm paranoid that people think we did plan all of this and it's amazing how much we didn't. I mean, obviously a lot of the storyline, I've had all those broad strokes. I've had some of the ideas, but the way that it developed, 
you know, there have been many times where I've had to change plan or add things in just simply because it made so much more sense. So, you know, it's, it's just really been interesting to see how much this does just, it just happens. It just comes up on its own. You know, it's like the recipe is there. Uh, you know, I've often said that a game is only ever as good as its players. So I think it's a testament to you guys. Well, we're fucked in this. Yep. Sorry, folks. I was trying. Uh, you know, I do actually did, want to hear. Did we kill Pathfinder Second Edition? Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, maybe Third Edition's on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, hey, Gavin, what about you? You're kind of the the odd person out here. You know, the rest of us are, mm-hmm. are older and been gaming for a while, and you're actually the young one of the group. So this has to be a different experience for you. Uh, you know, what's it like for you? You you don't have uh, decades of gaming like we do. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because the only campaigns I've ever played. Um, Additionally, coming from uh, Pathfinder First Edition, all of them were these really short one-off things that ended up being like two or three sessions. Granted, we did several of them. So then now I'm sitting here doing this one campaign that's lasted an entire year, and so it's completely different. I'm not used to having to be like, oh, uh, let, let me find uh, which character sheet I'm using. Wait a second. It's, <laughs> it's the same guy. So that was always an interesting change for me, and it's... It's, it's really different playing a campaign versus organized play, isn't it? Where you're, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I do have to admit, though, I, I could see the moment that it clicked for you. You know, everybody else, uh, other than Father Becker, um, had this, had, you know, had a fair amount of character stuff right from the beginning. Um, you know, and I know you had ideas and I know that you had direction. Uh, and Father Becker, in a way, uh, his not having a plan was his plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it really was more thought out than it seems. So you know, well, I wouldn't give you that well, much credit. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh. <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it was very much that I always say that's the difference between new players and veteran players. Where new players, when they're making a character, try to craft this carefully uh, put together, you know, piece and and that nobody can crack. Like you can't screw it. You can't mess with. Whereas the veteran players are like, hurt me, daddy. And that's, yeah. Like, yeah. that's pretty much what Father Becker uh-huh. did from the very beginning. He's like, you know what? I'm going to give you all of the latitude and just just hurt me with it. You know, so that's that very much veteran thing. Uh, but, you know, Gavin, I, you know, watching you, and of course I have the advantage of, you know, I know where you live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound creepy at all. Every but, night he stands in your room. And but, you, you know, there was that moment that you're like, hey, I, I worked a little more on my backstory stuff, and you sent me like a novel. And, I, <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not even kidding. Like the, the amount of fleshed out, uh, you know, and it's not even necessarily just backstory, but, you know, the nations and the, the history and the things that have happened there. And I look at this and this is like a dissertation, uh, you know, that, that people would read. And I'm like, oh, oh, he, okay, he's in. He gets it. He's there. And that was kind of really the moment that I realized that all of this clicked into place for you. You've definitely done the most writing of of all of us. And I, I don't I don't say that lightly because I did a lot of writing. Um, and I've even got some background stuff for Avistan and Caliban. I don't have a fucking like two page document on each, on like seven different nations like yours does. And I, I've read them. They're great. Yeah, like, like he has enough that it would get rejected as a Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be yeah. like, it's too much. And you got to pare it down. <laughs> you know, when this is all over. I really look forward to reading all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I figure I shouldn't at this point. I need to get this a story elements that come out naturally in the game. But I, I really want to hear that. That's aren't, good stuff. aren't you working on something? Um, I'm actually working on a few things, so if you could narrow that down. <laughs> something, something related to the podcast. Well, but I think that's my point. Like, you know, at this point, you, you, you've clicked enough, you, you understand it, that you're doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we've kind of all been through that, that stage, but like I so said, that was the moment where, you know, we realized that here, this next generation is there. You know, we always kind of worry about that. 
you know, what is the the next thing going to be? What's you know going to look like? How is it going to evolve? And you know, then here we are with the next generation, not only just grabbing the torch, but then running with it very very quickly in front of us. So. Yeah, you, he's got the sickness. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, not you, not the coronavirus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel more comfortable? Mm-hmm. And additionally, one of the things that I found interesting was one of the ones that's I think we mentioned it before. I don't know if we did it on mic though. Is the um, one of the things that is very important for storytelling campaigns, kind of like this one, is just having a character that is built around a backstory rather than a backstory built around a character. Hmm. That was initially like my first mistake for Asherian. Sean disagrees, but go on. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just lazy. But the point is that no, I, that's an that, I, I've never heard that statement before, and that's 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 interesting it's perceptive yeah because yeah. initially whenever i made a shearing because we've we had these on mic but we never released them we did play test episodes before we made even launched the first episode they and were fun too yeah. they, <laughs> they were hilarious and i originally tried to make a powerful sorcerer and i wanted to try and make this this strong build and then i was thinking like oh how would how could i make a backstory that works for this and then that was my initial mistake there is because I was trying to make a backstory that fit how the character worked. And I was trying to make this character that was all about Bloth. And instead, I decided to make a story about a character and then build a character around what would he have. And so that reflects a lot of like on what Asherian does and what he has. So I'm curious, like, without, I don't know how much you want to say on that, but like, like, what choices did you make with this new approach that you like how much did you throw out and what choices did you make that you weren't planning on making originally i basically rewrote his entire backstory oh wow and i decided to switch from him being a full just a full-on sorcerer to him being a sorcerer monk additionally funnily enough asherian was supposed to have an angelic bloodline oh <laughs> you really <laughs> you went the other way on that one i you? know I, I did not know that that's a 180 i mean he is a divine caster <laughs> well you yeah. know i know it doesn't always get mentioned but uh he's a divine caster yeah admittedly mm-hmm. like level one or two and like a level one character is like in a diaper yeah. who knows what right. the fuck's gonna happen but like i didn't get it at first by the time like three or four came around i kind of saw where you were going with it and it was like mm-hmm. okay this could work out mm-hmm. i'm still hoping it will eventually yeah. <laughs> hey man, I'm just I'm just on the rails. I'm waiting for this train to reach its end. I I will tell you though uh, that um it, it, it's you know you and you've played him as kind of a mysterious character from the beginning, uh, including in some very troubling ways as your <laughs> ghostly ex you know fight mm-hmm. your ghostly ex soldier buddies veteran buddies came back to murder us in the night. But the point is, uh. It's, I think you've been doing good character work. I really do. I, I look across the table. Uh, Asherian and I um, sit across from each other as we do this podcast, and frequently um, we'll be giving each other the finger or <laughs> making silly faces at each other randomly at, at times when we're supposed to be quiet just to try to screw with the other person. But the point is, is that, and I think this is a compliment, when I look across the table, uh, I, I now say to myself, oh, there's that old man soldier across the table. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes, like, it's weird, yeah, because... Yeah, I look over at Gavin, and it's like, oh, it's a Shirian. And it's like, it's weird. Because, like, the character and the person are not the same. I've also run into a similar problem, because before we started doing the podcast, I had never met Ethan. Like, I, I had heard of uh, Brad mention him once or twice before, and I was just My like, reputation oh. reputation precedes me, I see. So I had never heard, uh, never heard of him, and then he started doing this, and at first I would always just be like, oh, he's 
just Ethan. He's playing the character Hatham. And at one day, I was mentioning this to one of my friends, and they said, so who was all playing? And I was like, oh yeah, we've got Brad, Sean, Hatham, and me. <laughs> and they were like, Hatham, that's a weird name. <laughs> and I did this several times where I would just keep calling him Hatham and not realizing it until like a few seconds later. Interesting. And you know, and legit, Ethan's been a, a more recent uh, addition to our group. Uh, you know, Sean and and Brad, we've been playing together for gosh, how long now? Uh, five, I mean, ten, five to. Oh man, know, it's been longer than that. I, think Actually, I met you guys in like 2011. I think it was 2011. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what year I met Sean at Vision Con. Um, well, that was when we were still gaming over there by the the Schultz and Dooley. Yeah, and that's yeah. Been, I re I remember that. I remember you made the 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 mistake of coming by the saga tables, right? When I we did. Were, yeah, <laughs> running did. some uh, Living Greyhawk, probably. Yeah. No, actually, I have to thank my wife for that because, uh, you know, I, I had to do the whole family thing mm -hmm. and I didn't get much gaming time. Of course, I'd moved here to Missouri, yep. uh, worked on a career. Uh, you can relate, huh? Yeah. And <laughs> started a family. So it'd been years since I really done any gaming. And she kind of came to me and said, you know, you need to do something for you. You need to do something fun. What do you, what, you know, what you used to do? And I listed some things. She's like, well, why don't you do the gaming? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anybody down here who games. She's like, it. No, there's enough people here. Somebody here games. So she literally went and Googled it and she's like, you know, there is a convention like next weekend. And I said, mm -hmm. well, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, well, it's too late. I actually already signed you up. <laughs> um, there's a group there that runs games and, your, joy does. and your yeah. name is on the Joy's thing. Like, I want you out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I literally just wandered up to VisionCon that next day. And like, I, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had built a character because I looked it up online and, uh, you know, used their guidelines. And I walk up and the, the first person I meet is Sean Cleethermis. And, and yet you stuck around. So I'm trying to remember. Uh, mistake number one. I, I, I think it was our friend JVD who ran that game, but ended oh, up being an JVD. odd situation where Sean and I were actually the only two players. There were, the others were at another table, and then we played uh, a game. Um, oh, no, there were more, but they, they, died. they all died. That's yes, right. Died. The four of them <laughs> die in the very first scene. Yeah. And then it just means, uh, so Sean's character and mine, and it had a fantastic time. And after that, I immediately started gaming with those guys. So, Sean, I mean, it's been over a decade. Yeah, yeah I, I, it, it was, yeah, as, as you think about it. And uh, I have two thoughts on that. One is that, uh, boy, that was a terrible round to run in the convention <laughs> where they had such a deadly attack, and uh, they encourage you to split up, and then they attack you individually. And uh, They did. They had, like, a Verbeek assassin. Yeah, and the only oh. reason we survived was because we happened to go together. Well, that's because um, I'm a new, and I'm like, uh, I'm going to follow the barbarian around. Yeah. I'm, I'm a rogue. Oh, I was like playing Grunthor, yeah. yeah uh, right. All right, nerds. No one but, wants but, to hear about yeah, well, hey, <laughs> yeah, it. I think I was going to say is give a quick shout out to uh, Saga, which was a screwed up organization many times. But you know what? In terms of things like that, they were good about welcoming folks to the table, which I always think is nice. Yeah, I had uh, a lot of fun there. And I also, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just saying that it was great, but that's how I got to meet Sean. Brad moved here and joined us a few years later. Uh, Ethan's fairly new, but Ethan's been around a while, gamed for a little while, but uh, he fit in, uh, fit in pretty easily. How long did we work together before it was like, oh, I played in Unique? Uh, Coming out of the closet? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was I, a couple months. I never but... really live in the closet. I'm pretty loud at work. I think Ethan can attest to that. <laughs> in one way, in one way or another. <laughs> I can't um, wait. That's so surprising to me. Yeah, I think it was a... Uh, what the fuck are you people doing? Actually, it was probably about six or eight months because I moved here in March of 2017. And then we started playing a group. I started running for a group. I think it was that November. And then... It was after I started running that group that um, that the subject came up, uh, and we ended up just talking about D and D all the time. And I I actually distinctly remember um, one time I think it was me and one of the other players was was talking about D and D, and Brad overheard and he was like, 
D&D hub or something, some sarcastic remark about that. And I was like, does he hate D&D? <laughs> and I was like, weird. Like, I was how judging. I was probably shit talking like fifth and be like, yeah. play Pathfinder, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Please I couldn't please say. I just distinctly remember <laughs> thinking that was, I was like, See, I, and many, I thought he might like Dean. And, and many women um, can attest to this that it's like, oh, I'm interested. I'm going to pretend I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and that's terrible in relationships. That doesn't work. Yeah. But you're like, oh, I'm going to fish for an invitation to this game. Nerd. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> well, it worked because it did work. Here, so, has there been are. anything surprising about doing this as a podcast that you didn't expect going in? What, what's, what's something that you didn't? Liking the other characters, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's something that I, I was kind of unexpected, but at the same time, it's what I hoped for. And I think most gamers are going to be able to share with this experience. You get a group of people together to game, and sometimes it's actually hard to get any gaming done. Yeah. And, you know, so many of us have so many things going on with our lives that we get together. We all want to, you know, bullshit. We all want to talk gaming. And we're having fun, but there's a certain point where you're like, hey, guys, this has been great, but, you know, we haven't actually started the, the game yet. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, we want them to with this podcast be a little more focused and get uh you know get more accomplished and it was amazing how quickly the microphones did that for us how quickly this just get it you know get a gave us that focus and how how quickly these games just immediately you know we pretty much just sit down and go and uh, you know we we have a little bit of bullshit time before and a little bit of bullshit time in between uh, but it's amazing how much this has just given us that 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 drive I look forward to getting into it, like, like, because well, it usually is a week or two. Like, you know, the way we record is is not like one session a week. It's we'll do two or three sessions. So there's a little bit of time between each one. I look forward to it. Yeah. So when we're here, I'm like, okay, I want to get into it. Roddy's doing some shit. Yeah. No, it's it's been great. It really is. I just don't know if I expected that. Yeah. You know, I think I think we might have had some conversations once in a while about like, I don't know, almost being workers. You know what I mean? Like almost like, well, you know, it's it is a, a produced thing and stuff but it's never felt like that to me i think is maybe the more, most surprising thing is like just how natural it feels to just sit down and and do it and not feel like a it not feel like a burden or an obligation of any kind rather i feel i feel that same excitement like i get to play D this week you know and like the microphone is just kind of incidental Right. That. And you know, we do edit, obviously, yeah. but for the most part, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh Brad said, because he, he sounds like that'd be a hard job. I'm glad I don't have to do it. Oh, half the stuff I say. Thank, thank Brad <laughs> so many times for, for editing. But you know, we really don't cut out a lot. It's not heavily edited. Most of the editing is, you know, here's a cough. Uh, here's, here was a stutter. Uh, here's a couple too many ands or ums or just some extra silence. You know, for the most part, we don't have to cut out a lot. There's been a few maybe off-color jokes that we've had. To... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's all the racist stuff or when Brad starts going on about the Nazi party and all that. Kind of, I mean, honestly, probably, honestly, that that's I mean, probably the biggest thing that, that we've had untrue. to cut out. It's all untrue. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm trying to be funny. It's like, interestingly enough, this will get cut out. Yeah, ironically, <laughs> as you make jokes about things being edited out, yeah, you're going to be edited. This is how this works. Those big yeah. scissors just come in the frame. I can see them coming. I think the the biggest thing we've had to edit is those few times where I said not few. I wish they've been a few fewer, but we have to stop and look up rules, and we uh -huh. like take ten minutes to thumb through something. Like, yeah, we'll just cut that out, uh, you know. But this isn't heavily edited. Like I said, we don't. We've obviously done a few, a uh, couple of scripted things. Uh, you know, I have the occasional box text that I've, I've written, uh, but there's a lot of this that's just pretty much off the cuff. We just kind of sit down and go. Uh, my notes are are more sparse than you might 
suspect. I have a lot of background on a lot of NPCs and a lot of things to try to look up, but um, you know, I try not to to dial that down too much. I want to make sure you guys have the room to work. And honestly, it's worked out amazing most times. I give you guys a little room and uh, I, it goes I, some great places. As much rope as you give us, we're like, yeah. we'll hang ourselves. Yeah, that's all right. It. Give it, yeah, <laughs> let's let put it around our necks. I think that part of that is that um, a lot of uh, people in this group, I think, are good storytellers and they have a natural narrative bent. And it seems like that when we're together, you know, just the interactions between us tend to help move the story along. And then again, again, I compliment my, my fellows. I mean, just great role players. Uh, you know, I, I know what you mean. <clears throat> I almost called you Hatham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your head. Yeah, yeah, it gets in there. These uh, four par parallel universes ahead of you. <laughs> I, I know what you said earlier resonated something. It's like, I look forward to this, these recording sessions as, oh, I get to play. I, I'm looking forward to the next game. Yeah. I see what happens. And, and almost the fact that we're doing the recording sessions is inc incidental, although you know, I got to be honest, I listen to the podcast too. And, um, you know, I, 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 gosh, I'm not trying to tear on horn or anything, but I'm, I'm entertained when I listen to it. It's not just because, Oh, I'm on it. Listen to me. I get to talk, but it's just like, um, I mean, it's, it's compelling stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, again, great, great character work. Um, I love, I love the befuddled, uh, uh, you know, naturalist, uh, character. And then, uh, Roddy's got such a dark and compelling backstory and, and, you know, new stuff happening all the time. It's like, uh, you know, it, you, you, there's the, there's the big drama. Holy there. shit. You got that right too. <laughs> what did I say? You said Roddy. Yep. I've done that a couple times. Yeah. In I, I have not given you credit then. <laughs> yeah. I think the meds are wearing off. So, <laughs> you know, I got to say that, you know, when we first started this and you guys did, you know, bring me backstories because I did have the broad strokes, the, the, the overall story arc and what's happened and what's kind of supposed to happen. I have written. Uh, it's not all, not all the details are filled in. It's more of an outline than, in, than anything, uh, you know, but I knew some of the broad strokes and, you know, we've gotten into this idea that you guys may be these avatars and that's something that existed from the very beginning. And, you know, initially when the backstories came in, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to figure out a way to work this in. I'm going to have to figure out a way to plug this in. Um, and you know, I'm, I was worried that I'd going to have to shoehorn storyline in. And then you guys brought your backstories to me and like every one of you gave me a gift. <laughs> you know, it was like, Hey, I have a red block, a blue block, uh, you know, a gray block and a green, and you guys each brought me just exactly that. Uh, you know, that's why I say, you know, this wasn't scripted. It wasn't planned, but when you guys brought it to me, I'm like, well, this is clearly this. Have you guys been reading my notes? Um, <laughs> uh, yes. In fact, yes. so, yeah, Gavin got him to it. Yeah, we've all been. All right, uh, you know, you gotta it. you have that on the shared family drive. Yeah, yeah, be careful with that. <laughs> it's been published. There's, we got a website. we published the whole thing. Yeah. So you know, it was it has been great though. How much that has all, and, you know, it's just right there. It was just handed to me, and it seemed to fit in as though it were planned, but um, you know, it really hasn't been. And of course, a lot of the episodes have worked out that way too. So there, there have been some things, you know, hate them once again over there. Uh, what was it, seven times you rolled? You failed that yeah, one? I think it was seven. I did. Well, he, I mean, he he's the GM, so sometimes he does that yep. like interchangeably anyway. Change but so, so it was for Hatham, but Ethan made the rolls. But, Every roll of the uh, table. It, it was either six fails and the seventh was the one, or, or I believe that was fails. it. I think it was six fails. The seventh one got it with exactly a 10. It was, yeah, exactly a 10, which was really intense. <laughs> it was rough. I mean, and that, that we couldn't plan that. And, you know, I've been waiting for moments to get you to make that will save. Yeah. And I kept thinking, you know, something will come up. Something will just be patient. Something will come up. Don't force it. And then once again, like right there, Ethan gives me a gift. Yeah. <laughs> a gift in the form of my bad rolling. I'm starting to, I'm starting to rest that mantle away from Brad. 
<laughs> Please, for the love of God, somebody take it from me. Yeah, well, when I take it, <laughs> bad things happen. You saw what happened. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I, I think that might be one of those things, like, from that role on, like, was anything scripted? Because, like, <laughs> I assume not, because even that event you said was not necessarily scripted you know here's how i here's how i do that i'll give you a little bit of a glimpse behind how i i kind of do things and how i've done things with this campaign in particular i don't necessarily write out a lot of things so i have like small little snippets that you can kind of plug into places and though they're not so much storylines as maybe they're a few sentences or a paragraph like at some convenient time this can happen uh you know some convenient time mm -hmm. this could happen so, you know, with your your sickle, I won't give anything mm. away, but uh, when I kind of detailed out what that was and how that fit into your backstory a little bit there, uh, you actually you actually tricked me. So when <laughs> we did the uh, the back in time episode, when you guys go back in time to Oakrest, <laughs> it, it, I didn't consider the fact that, you know, how does that affect the sickle? I, I really didn't, yeah. I didn't think of, but at the same time, I had written, you know, what this thing is and, mm. you know, what, what it goes. So when you suddenly go to talk to it, I'm like, what would it say? And I, you know, since I had that little snippet written, uh, I was able to quickly come up with something it would say. And it actually really added to the story because it allowed me yeah. to get something out there that I really hadn't found a, a, a place yet. Yeah. And a lot of those situations have come up where I kind of have these things, you know, I, I know a lot about the NPCs. I know a lot about the world. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's NPCs you haven't met yet that I've, I've gotten things written. Um, and for the most part, the opportunities to plug that in come along on their own. I just, you know, have that I'm able to pull from it real quick. If you guys notice, sometimes you'll see me quickly flip screens to, mm -hmm. to you know, something else and look up real quick, yeah. uh, you know, and, re and respond. And that's because those things are there, but I don't, I try not to ever shoehorn and force it. I've learned that if we just kind of let it go, those things, it'll happen. You will eventually fail that many rolls. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one thing I, I like about you as a DM is like, it's clear, like you, you have a sense of like, not just like knowing the world, but since it's your own creation, you have that like intimate, like, I know exactly how this works. Let me express to you how it works. You know, like, um, almost, almost like you're just, you're describing something real to a group of people who haven't seen it before. And, yeah. And that, you know, in, in some ways that's how it, it feels. I had this odd experience when I started writing this campaign, when I came up with the idea, I mean, you know what I said, I just need to write a campaign. And it's really easy to say that, really hard to do it, by the way. Oh, it uh, is. Mm -hmm. But I had this interesting, we, we were actually on uh, vacation. My wife and I were on a trip. We were in Mexico, and we normally have a lot of free time there to just, just chill. I usually do a lot of reading, and I took a laptop, and I said, I want to uh, I want to try to write. I'm going to try to write a campaign. And we had went in one afternoon. It started to storm a little bit, so we went into the room, and I said, I'm going to, you know, sit down and start writing. And finally she's coming over to me. She was like, Hey, we, you know, we're meeting people for dinner. We got to go. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not till like six o'clock. And she's like, you know, it's five. Right. Um, and I looked down and realized I'd written so many pages and I, you know, I wrote so much on that trip. It was amazing how fast it came out to me. I was, I looked at this and said, what, what the hell just happened? And, you know, it came together very quickly. And, you know, I obviously had to expand on that quite a bit later on, but that's kind of been the experience with the whole thing that the writing actually came uh, pretty quickly and easily for some reason. So I'm just taking advantage of it, enjoying it. That's like being Stephen King every day. Mm -hmm. With less cocaine, yeah. I assume. <laughs> you assume. You assume what you will. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much done all the cocaine. So. Pretty much. There's got to be some left. Hardly left some for the rest of us. I don't know. Well, you know, the 80s happened. And so. Keith Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely want to... Uh, take the opportunity to make sure I thank you guys because th this wouldn't happen without you guys. It really wouldn't. 
So I, I didn't want to interrupt no, that, but I, I've got something that I, I thought I'd toss out a question to the group if that's okay. No, go ahead. Uh, does anybody have anything that's gone on in the campaign so far that, that they regret? I, I have one thought, but uh, I just thought I'd go, toss that. Go out. ahead while I think of which an What's your regret? So I was listening to the uh, <clears throat> I was listening to the episode where you were talking about how when we went back in time that you had a lot more planned for us, but that we were so laser focused on completing the mission that we didn't, we didn't basically take the time to explore more of what was going on. And as soon as I heard that, I said, Oh, I would like to have learned so much more about what was happening. But I think that, and and perhaps this is a, um, uh, once again, uh, a compliment that, that we, we felt the, the weight of the mission so much you know, the, the, the seriousness of it that I think we, that's one of the reasons why we were so focused on getting it done. And, um, in retrospect, I wish we could have taken more time to explore. I'd, I'd like another opportunity. It, that's a hard one too. Cause like with the whole groundhog, groundhog, ground, grounds, groundhog, <laughs> groundhog, yeah, groundhog day thing. Like we're like, well, everything we do will re- recycle. Mm-hmm. So we can't fill up the day with like shit we have to do every day. Yeah. So like, yeah, we probably could have learned more stuff, but then we also could have had a checklist of like 30 things we had to get done before noon. Otherwise, the whole day falls apart right. and the universe ends. Yeah. Right? So, and also genuine fear that we'd really yeah. fuck up something yeah. bad in the past. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Roddy did not factor that at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's go into the vault right now. Uh, hey, you, old man. Uh, so this is when the world ends. <laughs> yeah. Be interesting you know, to find out, by the way, if any of those elves. I would love. Um, I would love to know you know, something different happened. I will admit that's probably the most scariest thing. The most scariest. Yeah. It's probably the scariest thing I have written. When I wrote that, uh, I slept on it and I'm like, I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. And I said, you know what? Uh, the quote, uh, Brad over there, the rule of fun, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see what happens. But well, I tried to cover some bases, uh, depending on what you guys may have done. Cause I didn't give you a lot of direction and you know, then it worked out that you guys got through pretty quickly. So there is more that's written. Um, I don't, particularly have a plan for it but here's what i've learned um there will be other opportunities there always are you know if you have something written for something like this don't discard it keep it in the file and you know be amazed like i was, was well, talking you, earlier that this may be the gift you can use all that shit when we get to uh what turkmenistan what's the city we're going to uh you know <laughs> okay. Kassarat. Yeah. Kassarat. <laughs> can't be bothered to remember it's casserat he's oh, like i'll just use all those plot points here yep. plus hate them's dead <laughs> uh, does anybody else have anything like that that you, no, you I, this, this has been a, a neat experience i i have been on podcasts that didn't take off before um like i was on a star wars one for a little bit with a buddy of mine um and it, it didn't work out and then later on he got a different cast and started it over but actually it's a good podcast i i listened to it um so it but, got better after you left? I, apparently. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I, he and I should maybe talk. That I don't was, know. <laughs> I, that might have been true. Maybe I was the weak link. But, you know, th- this has been a great experience. You know, and I said I, I said I have, I have two missions. I want to uh, produce something that I am proud of, and I want to have fun doing it. And I, I feel like I've succeeded in those. So definitely I need to thank you guys for that because this is, this is a milestone for me. This is one of those bucket list type things. And you guys helped me cross it off. So... So definitely owe you guys all a bunch of thanks. If nothing else, uh, you know, we have that. Huzzah. <laughs> Enjoy. All right. Thanks for a year. Hopefully we get some more. More buggery jokes. Please. No. Please. No. That's what I said to him. <laughs>